All right. We're rolling again. Are we on? We are on. Are we rolling? We are on and we're rolling. Right, let's roll. Okay. Uh, so I got several good questions here that we're catching up on questions today, basically. Um, yeah, our friend Kelly Hall asked, last summer when Blackers played O'Malley's Pub, I noticed for the first time that Patrick went mobile, meaning you had a wireless connection on your guitar instead of a cable. Has he always used wireless? Um, I've had many wireless systems, and a funny story, last weekend we did the uh, week, weekend before last, I had, for the first time ever, my guitar strap didn't break. The guitar didn't break. It just dropped off my shoulder. The, the connection fell off the guitar, and the guitar just landed straight on the stage. Just boom. No, usually I catch it if it falls, or there's a... This just dropped off the shoulder and straight on. And the wireless system that was connected to the input on the guitar, it landed straight on it, smashed it completely. So... Wireless now? No. Uh, <laughs> that, that system's gone. But no, I, I've, I've been using the, there's, um, uh, with technology getting so, so advanced and so small and compact and easy to use and just uh, the, the, the new uh, wireless systems are very, very inexpensive. They're, they're about the same price as a really good guitar cable. And it used to be that you'd have to buy AA batteries for every show, every we'd play long shows, so you'd need, you know, two AA batteries per show or show and a half or two. You know, they they just they don't last very long if you forget to turn them off. If you but um, and especially if you're doing a big show, um, you want to you want to make sure just change the batteries anyway. Don't take the chance if you're you were you know that 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 was the old days. You don't take the chance on the battery run giving out in the middle of your set. So you cha- just change the batteries, and it's a you know it's a waste, and and the the rechargeable batteries are useless. So you were stuck buying buckets and buckets of the the AA batteries, but now they recharge like a like a cell phone. So you just charge them during the break, or you charge them before the gig or whatnot, and they last for a long time. So uh, yeah, I love the new wireless system, and it, just because I'm clumsy, um, big feet and. Uh, uh, they're always in the way. They're either in my mouth or knocking stuff over. So wireless is absolute um, freedom, but it's it's just it's wonderful too for not you know ripping cords out of the ground and kicking stuff over and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah that it, it's been a relatively um, consistent thing now that I have you know when I don't smash them. Yeah, and it, it's made for some really. Some 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 entertaining moments <laughs> going way back too. So I remember when you first started using it if, uh, back early days. Both you and Turi had wireless, so you would occasionally when you didn't have to sing, you just disappear off the stage <laughs> and go running around the pub, and sometimes go running around the block. Yes, uh, yeah. And Turi would would follow you sometimes. Uh, but what's always funny when that happens is sometimes it's it's fun. Just to see how far away you can get before the connection before the signal, before the signal dies, <laughs> and, and, other, and there'll be things distracting you while you're out there. People taking pictures with you, and so it's 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 always been really fun. Yeah, I've never I've never gone wireless myself. I think I, I've I've thought about it a few times because yeah, it can be annoying. Uh, your cables getting tangled and stuff on stage, and um, but I, I kind of like to stay 
where I am. <laughs> yeah, truth be told, Chad and Mike don't like to be apart. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it's true that when I, if, even if I'm on the opposite end of the stage as, as Mike, I find that it, 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 it detracts from our ability to, to, to stay locked in with each other. And we can, we have, yeah. And we, we've all, uh, we all tend to suffer sometimes if we're too far away from each other. We had that once, well, not just once, but the one show I can think of that was really problematic was when we played the hogs of Texas bike rally many, many years ago with Chris Remember this? Oh yeah. It was a huge, huge stage. And we're like, great. So we stretched out Mike's like 10 feet behind us. And, uh, it wound up being really difficult to, to stay in because we were like looking at each other. Like, you too far away. I don't know what's going on. And it would be different now too, because, yeah. because playing as a, as a unit, um, you know, for, for this long now, we've really, you know, with Wes, uh, being with us for, you know, two years now, we've developed that cohesiveness on you know on stage you know we're able to to play better because we know what's coming we know how to to you know to keep the song going and you know without train wrecking as they call it so it, it is important to stay in a close proximity however it's it, it's nice too on a bigger stage to stretch out so you're you know you're able to you know turn it up a little bit and non-musicians don't you know don't understand it um uh, and, and some musicians don't like it loud, but a lot of people like it loud on the stage. I love it loud. I like to, I like a lot of vocals and a lot of guitar just mm-hmm. because it creates more of an atmosphere for me. A lot of people are not like that. They, they, you know, singers and uh, guitar players, they, they don't, they want minimal, you know, guitar and vocals coming back at them. Or, uh, you know, or if you're going to close proximity to the drums, you don't want your drums in your monitor. So, because you don't want to be in that eternal noise soup you know that big bowl of you know noise that this stage will create if everybody's got you know competing monitors and then your stage volume and blah 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 so um uh you know a, a bigger stage is is it, you know can be a blessing and it can also be a curse so yeah okay uh our friend brandon brandon paul Hob- hobrach i hope i hope i'm saying that right paul uh brandon um <laughs> uh, he asked us last night would would y'all ever consider adding a mando to the band, meaning a mandolin? Maybe he didn't mean a mandolin. Maybe a mando is a is like a soldier or something. Mandalorian. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've had a mandolin uh, in in the band before. Um, wonderful, wonderful instrument, and uh, I I I enjoy it. I, I don't I don't like to hear it all the time. I like it. You know, every once in a while, it's, uh, it's, uh, it it definitely adds, definitely adds a lot. It's, uh, and, and and also you have to have somebody like we did. You have to have somebody that knows how to play it. You you know, you can't have somebody just banging along with the chords all day. You can, if that's what you're going for. That's not what we're, what we're doing, you know, um, you know, the, the, the song composition and the song execution, uh, you know, have to be, you know, they have to run smoothly together. You cannot. You, I, I don't like the big, you know, just everybody kind of going at the same time. I like, you know, dynamics and yeah. So yeah, mandolin's beautiful instrument and uh, uh, played well adds a lot. And uh, yeah, yeah. The only, really, the only reason why we don't have one now is that that would require having a fifth member, and we hadn't played around in the past. And the, the problem with having a fifth member with us is, is it just logistically, it's just way too complicated for us to maintain. 
our, you know, our van isn't really big enough to, to accommodate more than four people comfortably. Um, we'd have to split, split the money five ways instead of four ways. Um, so it's not like it's impossible, but it's just, it, for us, it's just always really been on an unworkable idea, but it does sound good when <laughs> we've done it. And uh, actually there was one, pe- there was a period where Chris Buckley, when he was still in the band, he, he played around with the idea of switching between uh, mandolin and fiddle. So that's, that's one way we could do it too, possibly if we have, you know, maybe if Wes, Wes uh, picks it up, which he absolutely could. I mean, the fiddle and mandolin, as I understand it, are same the same, yeah, the same yeah. tuning strings are, are set up the same way. Basically. And Wes plays guitar too, so it's easy yeah, to, yeah. to go to that. Um, so it could happen, but it's just never really been a priority. And we gave it a shot. <laughs> but yeah, and on the five-member thing too, uh, two hotel rooms, uh, you know, double occupancy, that's fine. You put a fifth member in there, that's a third hotel room. Also, seating for five in a restaurant is, you know, Waffle House really can only fit four at a table. Yeah. Trust me, we've tried. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, and one one way that we could, some bands get around that problem is either, well, they have a tour bus um, or they have a trailer behind them. And we... That's where the mandolin player goes. Right. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and we tried the trailer too. It is nice having more room in the van, but it's, it's uh, I don't know if you've ever tried the drive and park with a trailer behind. Some people are really good at that. Uh, that's not even the issue. The I mean, part, you just, you look like a band with a trailer. Yeah, exactly. And it's so easy. And this is one that we talked about. We've talked about this a couple of times now, all these thefts going on of people getting the gear stolen. Yeah. The you worst, look like a, yeah. You the, don't want that. the worst one you hear about is when they just unhook the trailer and drive off with everything that's take, in the trailer. Yeah. Or take the van on the trailer and just, and everything. So the, you just, you look like a band, you know, you could put, you know, Chad's, you know, sewage re- removal on the side of it. And, you know, he's still, it, you know, he's still not going to get away. Well, actually, I'd steal that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, you, 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 it's still going into a hotel at four o'clock in the morning kind of gives it away. So it, it's not, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's a, and, and also the, it cuts the gas in half too. I mean, dragging a trailer, you, you're, you're paying double for gas. And then also, um, you know, when we played in uh, Baltimore, the streets were barely big enough to get a horse and cart down it, never mind a, you know, a 15 passenger van with a trailer. And uh, mm. that was murder trying to, then you got to park blocks and blocks and blocks yeah. away to, to get, and that, in, in, in Philadelphia, when we played at downtown Philly, they wouldn't even take uh, the car parks, wouldn't even take the, the van. The, the, uh, I, had, I nearly had to get a taxi back from where I parked the van when we played downtown Philly. So it's just, uh, you know, there's, 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 there's so, many, uh, so many problems with the, so, you know, and, and, it, and really the payoff is not much better. Yeah. Speaking about the, 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 uh, the, the Baltimore thing, that was incredibly nerve wracking because we couldn't find. The only place we could find a park was this parking on top of this parking garage behind a building, like around the block, which had to, it was in a towway zone basically. And, but we had no choice; it was the only place we could go. And so the whole show, which was, what was the name of that pub, uh, Micoches? Yeah, yeah. It's actually a really, really great pub. They had a really good pint there. Um, we played there a couple times, but <laughs> that's the sort of thing you you wind up getting stuck with. Um, it's just. Yeah, it's just. Uh, I mean, I understand some bands probably don't have any choice, but um, I'm kind of glad that we have. You know, we've been able to get by without that. So anyway, all right, moving on. 
Uh, Tim Stolinski asked, uh, do we have any favorite movie soundtracks? And also, do we, are there any movies uh, do we think were ruined by bad music or bad soundtrack? I think he's taking a swipe at us. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, the, the greatest soundtrack of all time, and this isn't up for discussion. This is just fact. So everybody just stand down. Best soundtrack of all time is The Sound of Music. And uh, really, we should just end the show right here. There's nothing else to say. The uh, uh, Julie Andrews called me and she asked me if I wanted to sing with her on that one. And unfortunately, I wasn't born. But uh, that's a that's the best one of all time. There's so many so many good ones. Um, God, I can't even think of the names of them. The uh, the I love the Quentin Tarantino movies. He just he has the knack of getting these old and I'm not a fan of the, that that, that kind of that hippie 70s rock but he has a way of finding the songs that were just underplayed enough to where you know them but you they 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 fit the the reservoir dogs just top I mean those songs I scratch my head throughout the movie just wondering a what scene he's coming in on why but the music that was in there was absolutely just bang on for the time period and um, you know, same thing. Pulp Fiction. I've, I, I've, I think that's. I've seen that more times in the movie theater than any movie. And uh, so I'm kind of tired of it. But still, that mu- that soundtrack was second to none. And um, he he just has that way of doing this. The, these 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 wonderful scenes with the music that you did, the last prop song that you would that I would have thought to put there. And that's why I'm sitting on the couch. Yeah, you know, talking to Mike. You know, then he's making movies, but. Yeah, I think that that there's a lot of people who've borrowed that from him. Uh, it kind of makes me think of the of Breaking Bad, the whole series Breaking Bad. Used never saw it. Yeah, but there's a lot of shows like that now that that really artfully use popular music that like that. Which yeah, maybe that came from him. I don't know. And uh, what was the other one? Um, Have any movies been ruined by bad music? Ruined by bad music. Well, that's got to be. Uh, I I can't tell you the last time I saw a movie. In the theater, um, that's a good question. Yeah, I can't. I'm hard pressed. I, I'm sure there are some movies I've seen where the soundtrack was just. I mean, the the worst I can think of is that it's forgettable. Um, because that brings me back to. I mean, as far as orchestral scores go, I think John Williams is absolutely unparalleled. That well, he even he can't match the stuff that he used to do. I I, I think I think he's still doing great work. But if you go back and listen to the stuff he did in the late seventies, early eighties with Star Wars and Superman and Indiana Jones and all that stuff, they're incredible scores because you walk away with the music still in you. And he was really really good at that. And but there's there aren't a whole lot of movies I see now where I the score like the tune is still running through my head. You know, days after I've seen the movie, and that that to me is it's unfortunate. <laughs> And I'm, I'm sure there are plenty of people who disagree with me. Um, they would tell me who the good composers are these days. But, but uh, Chariots of Fire, ruined by good... Right. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> and also, I think uh, the old James Bond movies. Uh, I'm trying to remember, who, who did that? I'm trying to think who did that. The original uh, Bond theme song. I'm going to have to look this up. Well, while you're looking it up, I was uh, thinking of the... I, I did watch a TV series called True Detective when it came out, and it was uh, Woody Harrelson and uh, Matthew McConaughey. And the soundtrack to that was really, really good. I know that wasn't a movie, but it was a, just an incredibly wonderful series. Um, 
And then the next one came out, and it might as well have been Laurel and Hardy. The music was awful. The acting was terrible. Colin Farrell and big tall guy, uh, um, can't remember his name, but just terribly acted and just a complete failure. Uh, you know, uh, when you set it up beside uh, beside that one. But I remember the music being, it, it, you know, and maybe it was just because the 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 second one was so bad that the music just seemed like it was. You know, Sesame Street playing. It was just, oh, really? just awful. Um, Monty Norman. <laughs> I never would have guessed that. He had all those old, those old spy movie themes, like um, Peter Gunn, I think is another really good one. That was Henry Mancini, I think, wrote that one. Um, God, what was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, crap, I had it. But that, that the, just, uh, the, I have the, all the music for, for Monty Python. Exactly. Yes, I, that's what I was. And that was the yeah the uh, the soundtrack, the, both soundtracks to Life of Brian and Meaning of Life are yes. incredible. And Eric Idle does not get enough credit for. I mean, you know, always looking the bright side of life to to hear. The, you know, I remember uh, back in Ireland. You know, back in the day. You know, match of the day and um, these 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 uh, football soccer matches. You'd hear the stadium singing always look on the bright side you know they're singing to the you know they're, they're mocking the other team you know uh and it was just just uh you know incredible um and and, and bands like queen of course you know that did flash and mm-hmm. that, you know awful movie but great great music you know great uh yeah uh, and 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 again I, I'm, of course i'm now being spurred by the uh my musical ears but mark Knopfler did incredible work on cal and local hero, mm-hmm. and those soundtracks are worth uh, checking out. Just, I mean, it, you, you know, if you're a Mark Knopfler fan, some of his his best work, the song "Going Home," is arguably one of the best. Uh, again, I'm very very biased. Um, it doesn't come close to sound of music, but still, it's one of those. It's one of those tracks that just in just it's so infectious. It will stay with you. You know, for yeah, for uh, yeah, amazing soundtracks. Uh, and getting back to the Monty Python stuff, one of the things that's really interesting to me about about uh, Holy Grail is that most of the music in that was sourced from BBC archived stuff. It was not written for the film, uh, except for the stuff that uh, Neil Ennis wrote. You know, Brave Sir Robin and all that stuff, uh, and of course the uh, Knights of the Round Table, Camelot song. Um, but the the main thing that which we've 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 played that track uh, at the beginning of some of our sets for years we actually had, we had that idea years ago and we couldn't find because it was an archived BBC track there was you couldn't find it online I mean, you couldn't buy it it wasn't part of the original Holy Grail soundtrack record from what I, from what I remember but in recent years somebody else went and, and did a re recording of it. Uh, the, basically, the same the same arrangement that's in the record. I mean, it's in the movie, but it's a new recording of it. So that's that's what we've been playing on stage as an intro. Um, but I think that's <laughs> it's kind of amazing when you have something that wasn't even written for the freaking film, and it still is associated only with that movie. That just shows you what, uh, how you know how how really well placed music can work. And of course, the same thing we were talking about uh, Quentin Tar- Tarantino earlier. Of course, you know, and all those moves, all those songs were written for completely different purposes, but they're used to such great uh, effect 
for things that they weren't originally intended for. And that, that I think, is uh, that takes skill to be able to do that. A fine question, Tim. Yeah. Oh, and also, uh, uh, one last thing about soundtracks, talking about uh, Monty Python, Eric Idle and Neil Ennis went on to do the Ruddles. Uh, it was in the mid-'70s. All those songs that Neil Ennis wrote... They're all these Beatle parodies, basically, but they're so—they're not just parodies. A lot of the songs are actually just really good songs. That probably I would have to say is, as far as like uh, a soundtrack with 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 you know rock songs in it, that's probably my favorite soundtrack because it's just it's just absolutely brilliant. Okay, so Brian Reeves asks, would you be willing to do a cover of Thin Lizzy singing "Danny Boy" or maybe Johnny Cash? Oh, because we talked last time. We talked about about playing Danny Boy off the, you know, as a joke and as a request. And yeah, so, so I guess I guess in the style of a Thin Lizzy or in the style of a Johnny Cash, a Johnny Cash actually recorded Danny Boy and uh, he did it very, very close to the, the original. Actually, pretty much close, pretty much. He just carbon copied it, of course, with his magical voice. But um a Thin Lizzy version of the, the the timing of that song is strange, in that you can do it in a, the phrasing of the the words are strange for the for the rhythm of the song, um, and uh, yeah, it, it would be fun. Anytime you beat that song up, it's fun, and uh, every time you, every time you beat that song up, an angel gets its wings, or a devil gets its horns, or uh, and I could go on, but um, yeah, there, there's uh, we talked seriously about doing after we did it for our friend Paul Finnegan we talked seriously about recording it because we had it was it was one of those moments where people that we didn't expect to like it liked it and some of those people were us <laughs> we we it's just it was just kind of a fun way we did it and it's that's it's uh it's very rare that uh we're uh we're kind of like four attorneys you know it's it's it's, it's really difficult to get four of us to agree on one thing so it's it's a uh, it, yeah it's definitely it needs a beating it needs a a good shoeing you know but we'll uh, I I think I think we'll I think we're gonna put that you know separately yeah and I think we're gonna record that sometime I don't know how much Thin Lizzy is gonna sound like but uh, <laughs> yeah I don't know if we sounded that good we'd yeah. <laughs> I think if you if you go and listen to um, Bananarama no <laughs> Thin Lizzy's Black Rose you listen to the the intro and the outro to that song, that to me kind of sounds like it might be maybe a little influenced by, by Danny Boy. Well, Danny Boy's in there. Yeah, it's, you're right. It's in that medley. Yeah, so that, there you go. <laughs> so if you haven't listened to Black Rose. Yeah, I mean, the, the melody is in there. It's not yeah. a, it, it's not, it's Gary Moore playing lead guitar. So basically he could have put anything in that mm-hmm. and, and it would and it would fit. Gary Moore was, uh, it, you know, was another one of those players that could mold to every situation he was put in musically. Just absolutely brilliant phrasing, uh, feeling. Just, 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 just the, the ultimate, ultimate rock guitar player. Yeah, in my opinion. And we've talked about doing Black Rose. Patrick and I have sometimes noodled around with those riffs. Um, we haven't done it yet but we did do emerald and that's part of our set now so maybe we also we also stole thin lizzie's whiskey in the jar yeah we have if you've heard us play whiskey in the jar a i apologize and b um you'll notice that we start off with a country version 
that was a kind of a nod to, you know, you know, band from Texas. And then we, then we kind of go into a heavier version of it, which is uh, like a steroid Thin Lizzy. That, that, that part is stolen straight from Thin Lizzy. But we, you know, we do a little heavier and a little bit, you know, not, it doesn't have near the pretty vocals that Philo would have put on it. But, um, we, so we go through it, then we break it down again, then we do a little jig at the end of it. So, uh, and that song has bit out of boredom and, uh, out of it, that, that, that song is requested more than you would think, which is yeah. shocking even to, 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 to hear coming out of my mouth. I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, it's requested more than you would think. And, and, and you know, if, if you do the folk version of it, wonderful, great. But uh, as a four-piece rock band, doing a folk version of it is really, t- really tedious. Very, very, very difficult. You know, it's, it's like water, dragging water up a hill without a bucket. It's, it's not fun. <laughs> and and then when Thin Lizzy recorded it, the story is that they were um, actually not, they weren't doing that song. They were actually working on another song and uh, they started messing around with that in the studio and they ended up recording it and it went to number one. <laughs> you know, went to number one in England for them. Yeah. And uh, so they begrudgingly played it and they stopped playing it. You know, like, it was just, just like I said, really, really, it's, it, 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 it's, it's a kind of tedious song if you, you know, have to play it. Yeah. And, and so, so they were, they were stuck with it, you know? Yeah. And, um, and probably one of the, the since they were just messing around, I think it was just supposed to be a B side initially. Yeah. And you could one one key hint that it was not meant to be taken seriously is that there's no bass on the track, and uh, it doesn't really need it. It doesn't doesn't feel lacking, which is pretty. Was I think obviously one of the reasons why it did so well. But I'm sure that that might have bothered <laughs> uh, Phil Lynott at the time. It was like there's no freaking bass on the track. Why do people love this song so much? I don't know. I never. But it might be interesting to see if there's any interviews with with them talking about that that song. Yeah. Um, uh, Brian Brian Reeves also asked, "What's the longest that Patrick has worn his hat on stage?" <laughs> yeah, we've 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 done entire shows with the hat on yeah. and the hair in it. It's uh, yeah, I've I've uh, I, I I've become accustomed to keeping the hair in the hat. It. it it's uh, it, it's funny. It's never in my way. My hair is never in my way until you start plugging stuff in and you're moving gear in and out of the van and into a club and setting up and what. Then the hair is in your way, so you put it in the hat so you can see where you're going. Well, um, and then and then sometimes you just play now. So, you know, so we live in we live in Houston, Texas, which if you're not familiar, uh, Houston is Latin for humidity and lots of it, and uh, so it's sweltering year round. I mean, yeah, we have, we're having gorgeous weather at the moment, but you know, 90% of the time here, it's, it's very, 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 very humid, very hot. And, um, and I can sweat underwater. I have a gift. So I'm just, uh, so you keep the hair up out of your head, but I remember it was funny. We, uh, uh, reminds me of a story when, when, uh, we, <laughs> we're playing this club down South of Houston and, uh, I had the hair up, in the hat and we're loading the stuff in and this, uh, this old cowboy comes up to me and, uh, you know, the, 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 the Harley shirt and the, you know, the second, it was a smoky bar too. That's the other thing too. I've played many a show in a smoky bar with the hair and the hat because, uh, I've a lot of hair and <laughs> you get home 
on Sunday night and Monday night and Tuesday night and Wednesday night, you still smell the smoke and it's fucking awful. It's nasty. So keep the hair in the hat, a little trick, doesn't smell. So um, anyway, so the cowboy comes up to me and he's, uh, hey, uh, did you cut your hair? <laughs> uh, no, no, it's in the hat. Uh, you you gonna you gonna take take it out later? I said, "What are you talking about?" He goes, "The hair." I said, "Oh, oh, I thought you were talking about something else." And uh, he goes, "Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna take it out and swing it round and round and back and forth." I was like, "Sir, I think you got me confused with somebody else." So, uh, but I, I just I remember laughing about. Okay, may have, I may have embellished a little bit, but uh, it was just it was just funny to see this the last person on earth that you would expect to. Uh, yeah, to to ask. Oh, you're, you're uh, gonna unbutton your shirt a little yeah. bit, right? I'm just I'm just asking. Yeah, I think it looked kind of cool. Last, I'll, I'll, I'll go away. Yeah, <laughs> and that zap actually happened more times than than yeah. uh, we could count. Yeah, my other favorite one too is uh, yeah, my hair should be twice as long as yours. And well, really? So let me do the math here. You're four foot, and that would be eight foot of hair. Three to carry the one. <laughs> yeah, bet you did. <laughs> That reminds me of somebody saying, like, yeah, you, you, you're you 6'2", right? Yeah, yeah, me too. And yeah, like, not anywhere near close. I don't know what, why, what provokes people you're to, in a bar. To, to say you're that. You're in a bar. You're, yeah, you're, yeah. you're dealing with, you know, you're dealing with adult children. <laughs> that actually was, because the first time, well, I sort of didn't meet Patrick was when I saw him play with On the Dole uh, at Continental Club uh, with, my, with my friend Scott, uh, drummer Scott Washburn, who... You forgot to didn't think to introduce me at, the, at that time, and then it was a year later, I think, that Scott asked me to come out to Beverly Pub, and that's when I actually met Patrick. And that night, when he he was wearing back then, he he was wearing a baseball cap. And of course, we talked about Beverly Pub being by far one of the smokiest bars that we've ever been in. Um, yeah, and this was back before, long before uh, Houston passed their smoking ban. Which seems like a whole lifetime ago now, but that's that's what we had to deal with every single night and every single single bar. But Beverly had had uh, had some ventilation issues, <laughs> uh, but so yeah, Patrick would wear his hat there to 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 keep his hair from getting too nasty. But uh, it was a baseball cap, so I he, when I met him, it's like he looked completely different from the guy I remembered seeing it and on the doll because his hair wasn't down. And it wasn't until later that night when he he took it off. Later, I was like, oh, I get it. I see. So it is, there is, there is, people have been shocked many times and we've actually joked online about Patrick cutting his hair and people just flip out. It's, 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 it's funny. I actually feel kind of guilty sometimes for how many, how many times people have fallen for our, our practical jokes. Like and that. also, you know, you're at the club. I, then I swear to God, this has happened more times than you would imagine. We get off stage and I put the hair in the hat and I come back two minutes later and somebody goes, did you cut your hair? <laughs> I swear to you. I was just, no, yeah, I just ran behind the thing and, and uh, I, that, 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 you know, I thought the hat would be, but, you know, in fairness too, it looks like it wouldn't fit in a hat, but it fits in a hat. So yeah. it's a big hat <laughs> and the hair comes right off anyway. It's a wig. <laughs> okay. I think that brings us to the end of the list of questions we have right now. Yeah, we're going to post on line two this week. We're going to post... Uh, if if you have questions, you know, to, to go ahead and submit. And if you don't want your name, you know, uh, Greg Fugate, if you want your, if you don't want your name mentioned, you know, <laughs> with, uh, you know, hair swinging, hair swinging questions or anything. But seriously, if, if, if you have any questions, you know, just 
send them to our website or page, whatever you want. And, um, and also just side note too, we're, we're streamlining our YouTube channel as well. So we can get a little bit more content on there. Mm-hmm. We are going to try to to be better about posting little studio updates and whatnot. So uh, just, I, I know you've got plenty of time and you're doing nothing. Actually, you should be working right now. If I'm, if I'm seeing you correctly, you should yeah. be. Yeah. I don't know what I'm paying you for, but um, if you're, you know, just browsing the old web, you know, just check out the other channels. We're going to have some new stuff up there. So we'll uh, just, you know, keep in touch with us and thank you for listening. And really can't thank you enough for, for the questions and for tuning in because it's uh it's uh, my, I, I know my mother is even listening in Ireland. So I've, uh, I've upped her meds so she can, uh, <laughs> you know, so she can make excuses for it now. So, but yeah, thank you for, thank you for the questions and thanks for, uh, thanks for tuning in. Yes. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Cheers.